0: welcome everybody to the nuggets of gold podcast i am here today jake is coming back and today we also have a special guest kobe known on twitter as Bay kobe you want to say hi to everyone real quick
1: what is up everyone you know we're feeling good these days huh it was it was a rough start to uh agency and all that stuff but uh trent's back so we're all feeling pretty good now so uh yeah happy to be here happy you guys have me on
0: yeah of course um, and and Jake, I'll let you get into Trent right away because you had a, a cool story of how you found out. So I'll let you, I'll, and you haven't been here in a while. So so go ahead and tell tell everyone how you found out that Trent Williams resigned.
2: Yeah. So I was telling Matt today, man. I'm not the kind of guy where I'll check my phone in the middle of the night. Um, and I woke up about two thirty this morning and I had to go to the bathroom. And I was like, man, you know, I'm just gonna go check my phone. And I pop on Twitter really quick. I see not only is Trent Williams signed to a long-term extension, but he also leaked that Alex Mack is going to be a 49er. So that fired me up, kind of ruined the rest of my night's sleep because I was so, you know, pumped up. But just I'm I'm excited, man. It's a great day to be a, a Niners fan. No, it's
0: worth it. It's worth ruining the sleep for something like that. Because we sure. were talking about it before we got on. We were all stressing about it. Like, all right, is this Trent Williams deal actually going to be done? And luckily, it was. Um, and, and let me go over the details real quick. It's overall six years, one hundred thirty-eight million dollars. And it is a there's a thirty million one hundred thousand dollars signing bonus. Average salary. This is my favorite part of the deal. Is twenty three million. And there's also an extra ten thousand per year. And that's ten thousand more than David Bakhtiari, which I love. So he is the highest paid tackle on an AAV basis now. Um, and then the total guarantees are fifty five million so great deal for Trent I think uh, long term we'll see when the details come out how long it actually is because as we've seen there's a lot of deals for instance the Kyle use deal earlier this offseason where it's a five-year deal but it's probably only really a two-year deal when you look at how the money's guaranteed so we will see what Trent's deal actually looks like in the coming days probably but massive 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 move to get him back Uh, we were talking earlier too and Kobe you were saying that like it's kind of like if you don't get them, it's such a big setback that you, the Niners are just kind of, it's a bad off season at that point, it seems like.
1: So, yeah, for sure. I mean, because Trent was, I mean, last off season you traded a third and a fifth f- to get him on your team. And then when you, you know, restructured the contract after you acquired him, you took the French tag out. So you couldn't tag him at all during the off season. You're basically like, you're, Hey, you know, we're going to give you, you know, the highest, you know, contract you can get when it's time for, when, it's, when it's your time. So there was no backup plan for if, you know, you guys didn't agree to anything. So you kind of had to give him what he wanted if you wanted him to stay. And, you know, knowing – and, like, the Colts were the biggest team I was worried about because that line is fantastic. They have a lot more cap space at the time than we did. Um, if, and they love having a good offensive line. They love it. Their offensive line is one of the best in the league. It would have been – like, that left side with him and Quentin Nelson would have been probably one of the best duos in NFL history if they got Trent Williams, I thought. You know, and they're a team that could be contending. I thought that was a team that maybe could be in the running for it. But Trent wanted to be in the Bay. Um, They got it done. But, yeah, if you were to lost Trent Williams, like, you just lost. Like, because that changes your entire offseason plan. You can't – you have less flexibility for the first round of the draft because you have to you – know, you're going to have to draft somebody because for agency, you know, there were there were not any options in for agency that were really going to, um, you know, at least for, for what you have to pay to get somebody um, to replace them in like a reasonable fashion. And then trading for Orlando Brown, like trading for another tackle, you have to pay a year later again. Like that just seems like bad business. So overall getting Williams back on that deal and securing your guy for basically probably the rest of his career um, is, is a big W for the Niners. And uh, I'm glad they got it done because they didn't, it would have been, it wouldn't have been pretty.
2: Yeah, and I just wanted to chime in really quick and to kind of add on to what you said, Trent Williams not only is a guy we gave up picks for last year, but he's kind of in a way the Joe Staley replacement. And you're not going to just let that guy walk. You know, that that has a little bit of a deeper meaning to the team than say drafting a rookie because now the rookie's locked in for four or five years. You know, you're you're bolted to that rookie like McGlinchey. Whereas when you go out and trade for probably the the best left tackle in the game to replace Joe Staley. Now there's a little bit of sentimental value attached to him. Um, And I think that if uh, they would have let him walk and if they would have been outbid, I I think it would have left a little bit of a stale taste in a lot of fans mouths. Well, and
0: also it's just going to be really tough for that offensive line to get better anytime soon, because he's by far the best guy on that line. And then you look, okay, okay. Left guard. Yeah. Lakin's probably the most sure thing there at center. Alex Mack hadn't been signed yet. So we didn't know that was a guarantee, but you have, you know, Weston Richburg is going to retire and you have a free agent in Ben Garland. So not really much at center right guard. You have Daniel Brunskill. And then a right tackle. You have Mike McGlinchey who not only has his option. I think they have to decide this off season um, for next year, but also he, he just came off his worst career year. So, and I, and I do think he'll be better next year, but, it would be, there's just question marks at every single spot on the offensive line. And, and that's, you're not going to go into a season and be a true Super Bowl contender if that's what you're looking at. And I, that's at least how I feel. I know there's some people that, that didn't want Trent Williams. I, I disagree with you. Like everyone's entitled to their opinion, but I think that was, in my opinion, that was the clear priority number one. Just when you look at how hard it would have been to replace a tackle. I know a lot of people also say, oh, we'll take Rashawn Slater at twelve. I doubt Rashawn Slater's there at 12. I really don't think he's going to be there, especially because it it seems like in, there's NFL teams that have extremely high grades on him. And those guys don't get out of the top 10. That's it's so rare that you have an elite tackle prospect. It get, get outside of the top 10. So I applaud the Niners for, for going and getting Trent and, and really breaking him off. But I think it's worth it. I think it's, I, I think it was the best thing they could have done this off season. So very happy about that. But Moving on to Alex Mack a little bit. It's a one-year, five-and-a-half million-dollar deal. I think a lot of people believe that Alex Mack is going to step in and be an all-pro caliber center. i That's not the case. He's not quite the player that he once was, but I still think this is massive. He is one of the most dependable offensive linemen in the NFL. He's missed one game in his last four seasons, and I think he's missed like just like a handful of them overall in his, I think it's an 11-year career. So... Alex Mack, I love the deal. Kobe, what do you think about it?
1: Yeah, well, number one, he's a scheme fit. He played with Kyle twice, played with him in Cleveland, and then came over when he was in Atlanta to play for him during that historic run for the the Falcons. And on top of that, he's better than any other other center on the roster. Like, that's an upgrade there. He knows the system, obviously, like I'm saying. And, um, you know, that's going to help the interior line because having a center who can help the guys around him. One of the reasons I don't think he was all that bad last year in Atlanta, I think the line around him wasn't that good. So sometimes that makes you look a little bit worse than you really are. Um, I think Mac was still pretty solid, obviously not in his prime anymore. He's he's 35 years old, but still very good. Yeah, he's a center that Shanahan trusts. He expects a lot out of his centers. Um, it's just not a you know easy job for his centers in his system. Mac is a guy who has done it before and can't handle it. And I think you know, the guards around him will look better because we know when Ritzberg was playing, um, the line looks a lot better than it did when he got hurt. You know, like the line wasn't an issue until Risberg was gone. So now that you got Mac back, um, not Mac back, but you getting Mac in, it's going to make the uh, the interior line better. I think McGlinchey will be fine at right tackle. I know a lot of people think he needs to be replaced. I think he's fine. I think he is what they thought he was going to be when they drafted him. He's a run-blocking specialist, and he's okay in pass protection. But – you know, if you're not behind you know, on you know in games on offense, and you don't have to pass as much and you're not as predictable. I think McGlinchey will be fine. Niners were down a lot in games and they are forced to pass and you kind of just like tee off on McGlinchy and you know, it gets bad. But I think when they're not getting blown out and they're not so, you know, one-sided, I think they'll, he'll look a little bit better. And I think overall this line will look better with uh, with stability at center as well, you know, with a smart and uh talented guy in Alex Mack. I think this is a big signing. Um, because it was something that should have been done last year, really. Because no, I mean, I'm sure the Niners knew Ritzberg wasn't coming back. I mean, I'm sure they knew more than we did that his injury was pretty significant and he wasn't going to be able to play again. But maybe this is why they didn't because they knew Mac might be available a year later. Maybe Mac is a guy that Shanahan really wanted. And he decided he was going to go get somebody else and he really wanted to maybe bring in Mac a year later. I don't know how you know, realistic that idea might be, but. Maybe that was on his mind, but now he's uh, he's in San Francisco. And I think the line is going to be much improved because of it. Um, I don't see how it can't be. Uh, now that you have you know a legit center into this system and a guy who's been in the system before, and so knows how it all works and everything. So it's a it's a good signing for sure.
2: Yeah, and uh, I mean, you said it earlier. Max, a really really intelligent guy. Uh, a lot of people don't understand center if you're more of like a casual fan it's It's a lot more than just, oh, I'm gonna snap the football to the quarterback. It's, you know, pre-snap reads and being kind of the anchor of the offensive line being that you know you're you are the center, you know, you're the center of the offensive line. And Mac has proven that, okay, yeah, he's a little bit older now, but he's proven that he can, you know, really hold down the fort on multiple really good offensive lines. Also, um, I hate to interject, but we have some breaking news dj Jones is back on a one year deal a little bit surprising because I thought he was for sure a guy that would probably walk uh, I don't know if you want to talk about it, Matt or if we just want to keep plowing on through with mac but i'll I'll leave that up to you
0: i'll I'll talk about mac real quick and then we can hit on dj Jones because I saw that too and I was gonna bring him up that's that's surprising because I didn't think he was gonna i didn't think he was gonna be back yeah, I, mean, I, thought, I thought he was going Yeah, I thought Kevin Gibbons was kind of gonna take that role. Uh, but but for Alex Mack, I love it. You you brought up that he's the anchor of that of that offensive line. And just like how the center position is a little bit like tough to maybe tough to quantify. You know, they're not as it's not as dependent on your performance as a tackle. Like of of course, everything's dependent on your performance in football, but there's a lot of off the field and pre-snap stuff that a center has to do, and they are truly like the captain of that offensive line. And Mac has already Kobe. You said Mac has already played with him in Cleveland and Atlanta. And he excelled when he was, I think he was in first team all pro or was second team all pro when he was with Kyle on that, uh, historic Falcons offense. And, and he's not the same guy, but he understands what, what that offense needs to do. And having him there, hopefully for 15 or 16 games, I guess 17 this next year, probably um, Yeah, 17. Yeah. So, that's going to be big if he's there the whole time, because that was one of the biggest issues you were talking about how McGlinchey's kind of the player that they thought he would be and where he's going to excel a lot when they're able to run the ball and and play off that play action style offense Mm -hmm. and not just have to sit back and pass. Well, I think another huge factor is that inside him last year at right guard and center, it was guys in and out of the lineup all the time. And I think you've kind of just submitted that, that center position and now the only offensive line spot that I think that they're going to go out and like make a move at is right guard. And last year you didn't have that. You had two spots that were back and forth and it made it really tough for McGlinchey. So I think that's going to help him a lot, but moving on to DJ Jones, DJ is an exciting player. I've always liked him. I, I think he's a very, very good player for what he is. He's usually on as a zero tech or a one tech. So he's right around the center. But I love it. I mean, I, I don't know. I didn't think they were going to be able to do this. I just thought he was gone. Like I said, I thought Kevin Gibbons was was going to be the guy. But, Kobe, do you like the, the DJ Jones signing?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think, you know, this line excelled the most when it had depth. And you keep that with DJ Jones, who is a solid, you know, addition on this defensive line. I'm sure he plays a lot in the base formations, like first, second, third down. Well, first and second down. You know he plays when Armstead is kicked outside, and then you have Jones next to Ken Law and then hopefully we get Bosa back. So I think that will continue to be the line that they probably use on first and second down, and then on third down, that's when you'll see um Sampson come in, um, Bosa Sosa combo. I uh, can't wait to see that, but uh, yeah, I think that's when you'll see uh, a Bucum come in, um, and help you know rush the passer. But on on you know obvious maybe potential running downs, I think Jones is a fantastic player, having him. You know, next to Kinlaw again for another year. I mean, it's just big. And I think it having depth on your line, like having a, a flurry of quality defensive linemen on your team, allowing your guys to stay to stay fresh throughout the game, not letting anyone get too tired. Um, you know, keeping them you know, relatively fresh for the game. And so that way, late into the game, we need to really you know pin your ears back, get to the quarterback, uh, make some plays. You know, you can still do so. But yeah, it's, it's a big time signing. I think. I think it's underrated signing. I think people will probably glance over it, like, hey, you know, whatever. But I think that's 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 pretty solid signing for the Niners. I think that's uh that's pretty big.
2: Obviously, DJ Jones didn't have the year last year that maybe we had kind of expected. I know for myself personally, I'm a big DJ Jones fan. I thought for sure with more opportunity with Defoe gone, I thought okay, this this is going to be this guy's year to really feast. And the reality is, he's just not a DeForest Buckner kind of player. He's just not going to generate the same kind of pressure as defo because, you know, let's face it, he's not defo. But with Nick Bosa back, it's we've said it uh, before. Bosa is really the key that unlocks this defensive line. And now all of a sudden you're going to have ample attention placed on Bosa. Well, now Armstead's going to be back to screaming off at the edge again or inside if you want to kick him back inside. You're going to have Kinlaw, who I think is an animal. You're going to have DJ Jones, who could generate some interior pressure like I think that this move like you said it's just non-stop waves of pressure and I think Bosa really unlocks a lot of that but Bosa can't do what he does without these guys so it's kind of a two-way street.
0: I like that you guys talk about the depth of the defensive line and how that's so important because in 2019 that was one of the big strengths I mean you had DJ Jones you had a lot of guys I mean DJ Jones was in like a true backup player but he would come in you know mostly a base down guy and then you had ronald blair and you had solomon thomas who obviously isn't some elite player but you know there's just a lot of solid defensive linemen and then you go okay well who's who's your four guy when it's time to rest the pasture oh it was nick bosa deforest buckner d ford and eric armstead and then you have all of those other backups that are starters on many other teams so I think you got to start building that that defensive line depth back up again. I think that's what this move really is. Um, I love it, but that's gonna do it for this segment. So let's move on to the next one. So there are rumors that Deshaun Watson is going to San Francisco. Mike Silver basically tweeted out that that Watson he expects Watson to be traded, and that one of the big destinations that it could potentially be is San Francisco. So, Jake, you can get into, into this first. What do you think, man? Do you think there's truth
2: to these rumors? 100% there's truth. Um, I think a lot of it stems from Jimmy Garoppolo. If the 49ers were truly committed to Jimmy Garoppolo, absolutely 1 million percent by now, the contract would have been restructured. I mean, look, D Ford's got a restructure, they've brought in multiple guys on backloaded deals. like. They, they've been in obvious contact with players, contacting them about restructures and contracts 24-7. Garoppolo's contract would have been restructured by now. So this makes me think a couple things. Garoppolo's on the way out, and a rookie quarterback or Deshaun Watson is on the way in. Those are, for me at least, the only two options. Do I think that Garoppolo could return? Of course, there's always a, a you know an opportunity for that, but it seems more likely than not, that Garoppolo probably won't be the game one starter next season.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's almost inevitable at this time that, you know, that Garoppolo will be will be dealt at some point. They've been calling and checking on almost every quarterback that's been available. You know, they called about Matthew Stafford, they called about Sam Darnold, they called about Teddy Bridgewater. Whether the reports come out that they didn't or not, they I mean, obviously their name was involved, so they they did call and check to see what was going on. They were in on Dalton, you know. They're they're rumored to be in on Trubisky. Like they they're looking at ways to get someone else in the building. And you know, I don't, I don't think it's just for a backup. I think it's it's them trying to because they're not committed, like you said. You know, if they were committed, they would have restructured, and they would have put an end to it. You know, just like hey, yeah, we're restructuring the contract. You know, we we gain some money. You know, we're you know he has more guaranteed money, whatever that is. You know, all that way really got shut down, and then they said you know they expect him to be the quarterback. You know, back in December or whenever they said that, like who says expect? You either say he is or he isn't. So, like they you know, they've been non-committal the entire time. I mean, we've all known this. It's I mean, there's nothing new about that. But yeah, I think there is some truth to it. I think and then when the rumors are that he wants one of two places, and those two places are Denver and San Francisco, the Niners have a real shot. Like, cause my fear of them not getting Watson was just would be that they would get outbidted by a team that was willing to give more, you know, if there was like wait four or five teams that were in on it, I feel like the Niners were they got outbid, and then they would not the guy his services. But it's only two teams, and if I'm Houston, I'm trying to send him out of the division, I mean, out of the conference, you know, because Denver's still in the conference. Like if we send him in conference, if you do end up getting your team backed into contention, you have to deal with the Des- Sean Watson led team to get you know through a wild card round or a division around. You're know, trying to trying to get your way to a Super Bowl. You'd rather him not be in your way when you're trying to, you know, get to the title game. So sending him out of the conference is a way of doing that, you know, just making sure he's not going to, you know, crush your dreams, you know, while you're on your, your playoff run or whatever. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I mean, San Francisco makes sense. And yeah, I think, I think he's a big time Niner fan, isn't he? He's been a Niner supporter for a while. I think, the you know, there's yeah, like there's, pictures, there's of pictures of him in Niner jerseys. Man. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think, I think he wants San Francisco if he wants out, I think the Niners want to get a new quarterback. So like you add, you know, you put two and, you know, two and two together. I mean, it's just, it feels like something that should happen. It's just, will the Niners pull the trigger? Will they be willing to give up the two first round or the three first round picks? Maybe a Warner, maybe, you know, a Bowser or something like that. Obviously that might not have even been brought up. You know, it's just kind of a hypothetical, but are they willing to do what they haven't done before and trade multiple day one picks to try to get themselves a legit star quarterback and, and fix this quarterback situation? Because if you're going to do it, this is the offseason to do it like watching won't be available next year. You won't have fields. You won't have, you know, Mac Jones. You won't have Trey Lance available next year. Like this is the year to do it. If, if you want to get out of this Garoppolo contract, you want to put it into this, you want to just, you know, bury it and put it away, toss the key. This is the year to do it, so just go ahead and get it done. But, yeah, I think there's some real truth to these rumors. I think there's a good shot that that Deshaun Watson could end up in San Francisco. It just depends on whether San Francisco wants to give up what it takes and if Houston can stop being stupid and just free the man because it's clear he doesn't want to be there.
0: It also does seem like Houston is kind of coming around to the idea that they're going to have to move on from him. Cause that's, that's been the biggest thing out of a lot of the reports that have came out, like, Hey, they like, they have to get him traded before the draft, or they're going to start enduring a lot of dead cap, you know, like the, some of the incentives and like bonuses for his deal start kicking in. And he has made it very clear that he does not want to be a part of that organization anymore. So I think that's probably the biggest thing just because, okay, look, this team is now kind of opening up. All right. I think we're going to have to move on from him. That's where I think it's a, a big teller. Also, do you guys th- actually think it's only the the Broncos and the Niners, or do you think that he would – if another team made an offer, do you think that he would waive his, his clause?
1: I think the Panthers are another team. The Panthers are yeah. I think he would be okay with going to.
2: Yeah, yeah the, I, the two I,
0: I was thinking of were the Panthers and the Jets.
2: I don't think Jets because I think that organization is miserable. I, I know Salah's there and and – uh, McDaniel, or not me, is it McDaniel? It's McDaniel, right? That went, it's up, LeFleur, right? it's this, it's LeFleur. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, LeFleur. There you go. Um, so you know, I know they're there, um, but I, I really think those guys are dead set on not bargaining their future away, um, and just picking a guy like Zach Wilson who has plenty of potential. Carolina's interesting because I think he's from around the area, I think he's like Georgia native, so it's you know, somewhat close to home a little bit, but. The Panthers again are they're not really in a position to like mortgage their future away. Like if you give up all these first rounders and second rounders and maybe a good player, like you know, maybe they give up like DJ Moore or something, like what what's there for Watson then? Like, you know, I'll say I mean?
0: they better not give up McCaffrey because I own McCaffrey shares in every league and I will be furious if he ends up part of the Houston Texans. The Texans
1: will waste him. Yeah, they will waste him.
0: <laughs> I, I hope that's not the deal, and I I also don't I find it really hard to believe. Like you're, you, like you brought up Warner and Bosa, and like of course, like you got to bring up those guys because you are acquiring a superstar quarterback. I just find it tough to believe that any of these teams would like give you know move on from a Fred Warner or a Nick Bosa or a Christian McCaffrey like those players. It's super like gauge their value in a trade for that. That that's why I don't think it would happen
1: just because, and the leverage is down. Because Watson, like, he's not coming back. Like, it's like, just get me out of here. So, like, as far as leverage, they might not be able to even get what they want because teams know Watson's not coming back to your franchise. So it's like, you know, this is much we're giving, and that's it. Like, so that even that, like, at that point, like Warner and both said, McCaffrey, players like that aren't even involved. It's like, no, we know you can't keep them. So this is what you're going to get. You know, take it or leave it. So that, that can yeah. play a factor, too.
2: The other thing, too, is if you're someone who's a non-believer, like the four downers are sticking with Garoppolo, you believe the media headlines, then why are we going after, you know, more receivers that are maybe deep threat guys? Like we've been lobbed into the hat of a guy like Will Fuller. Jimmy Garoppolo is not hitting Fuller in stride, you know, 40 or 50 yards down the field. Why, why would you get a deep threat receiver like that? Like, of, of course, like, yeah, we've been mentioned in Higgins free agency as well as Juju. Who, both those guys are probably more underneath guys, slot kind of guys. But like, still, man, like, you're not throwing your name out there with other kind of big time receivers if you don't have a big time quarterback throwing to them. That's just my opinion. Well,
0: yeah, and you look at like some of the. I, I think I think there's a point to that. Um, also, look at what New England's doing. And I know people are like, okay, they just re-signed Cam. A lot of Cam's stuff isn't, it's more of is he a starter? What is his role? That's really how his contract shapes out. At least that's how I believe it's it's been shaped out. But look at a team like them, they just add two tight ends. They add Kendrick Bourne. Interesting. I mean, obviously there's they and also they're always going to be linked to Jimmy Garoppolo because he was part of their team. Uh, but what other okay, besides the Patriots, what other team would maybe be linked to Jimmy? Is Chicago.
1: Chicago? Okay. Because that's Jimmy's home. And Chicago just got Andy Dalton. are not, they're not committed to Andy Dalton. I think Garoppolo, like it might not be like, you know, super like much of a difference, but I think Garoppolo is probably better than Dalton at this point. So maybe Chicago gives gives Garoppolo a shot because they missed out. Because Wilson might not get traded this offseason. And I know Dalton was kind of a guy they brought in because they don't want to, you know, they're not going to commit to Nick Foles. So it's kind of like, you know, just having to duke it out for, you know, the starting quarterback position. So maybe they think about Garoppolo a little bit. But yeah, that's, th- that's maybe the only other team I could think of is maybe Chicago. But other than I that, think, I think it's.
2: I think underrated one is New York. I mean, we talked about what if they don't want Zach Wilson at two? What if they turn on the tape on this guy and they're like, you know, a man, number two, like our, our offensive line isn't that great. We have a g- possibly generational tackle prospect that could kick into guard if he doesn't work out at tackle and Panay Sewell sitting there for us? What if they want to grab Sewell at two and then trade a second or a third for Jimmy, right? I think that's a name you definitely have to lob out there just because of the San Francisco ties for sure. Yeah, that would definitely yep. depend
0: on what LaFleur
2: thinks of Jimmy too. Definitely,
1: 100%. And I wonder, like – and then when it comes to that, like maybe they – like, you know, coaches always think they're they're the genius, right? Like these coaches think they have all the answers. So maybe they think they can use Garoppolo in a way, they can unlock him in a way that Shanahan was unable to. That's always a factor. Like, I'm sure that's probably why the Patriots want Garoppolo back, if that if that rumor is true. Because I think Bill knows Garoppolo, knows what he needs to do to get the best out of him. And maybe he's like, okay, you no, know, he has you know these issues in San Francisco, but if he comes here, now, I can erase some of those flaws with some of the things that I do, you know here in our system. So not everyone views Grappolo as a bum, you know, like like fans on on Twitter think that they do. Um, I think some of these coaches think they can do something with Grappolo. I think his interest could be now, it depends on the price because of his contract, like he's making twenty six point four million. And that's not something you just want to take if you're not sure, especially giving up assets to try to get him. But I think if he was on the open market, I think he'd have he has some suitors, I think if it was like a different scenario for him, if we, if we didn't have to trade for him, I think he would have more interest than he does right now.
0: Yeah. Especially, if he, especially with the contract that he's on. I think him yeah. as a player without that contract, it looks a lot different too. And there, that's so many players too. And that's kind of part of yeah. getting paid big money. Like once you get paid big money, you have to either become a really good player or if you're just, oh, good money. Then people are going to always criticize you. And that's, that's always going to happen. I mean, it makes sense.
1: Yeah, yeah, people always like, yeah, I like him, but not for that much. Like that that always comes up a lot. Like, yeah, he's a good player, but not for that much. Like that the contract is, is big in that in that standpoint.
2: And look at yeah. it too, like money. Why does money we always bring up money in how like overrated a player is, right? Like I just for example, like Kirk Cousins, right? I think Kirk Cousins collectively is underrated because yeah, he doesn't get it done in big games. But for what he gives you, you know, people shit on this guy like he's a bottom five quarterback in the NFL. That's just not true. But because he has this, you know, magic dollar amount attached to him, people like to say he's overrated because the Vikings paid him. It's like, no, like you just the reality is you just have to pay quarterbacks. Like that's just what the reality is. Like, unfortunately, every so-so or even, you know, average quarterback is just going to probably set like – the QB record because that's just how it is. Like most quarterbacks that are decent command high dollar.
1: Yeah, because they're not everywhere. I mean, because I mean that's how free agency works. You overpay for everyone. Like I think Kyle said it himself, like in free agency there's so many, you know, bidders that you have to overpay to get, you know, certain guys' services. Like it's just kind of how it works. So I mean when people get paid more, like how do you get paid that much? Well, because the market they really wanted the player and they're willing to pay what they had to pay to get them. So sometimes at least overpaying, but yeah, these players, I mean, like, you know, this, just the tag on them, the price tag on them, it really determines what people think of them. Cause yeah, like Kirk, Kirk is really good, but he's not like $35 million good, but he's really good. So, I mean, but because he's making $35 million, you know, all guaranteed people are like, yeah, Kirk is a bum. you know, and I think with Grappolo too, he's making 26.4, he's not a bum, but making 26 million. It's like, yeah, he's not, he's not worth that, you know? So that that, that too, it, you know, factors in when it comes to like judging players, like the the price tag is a big determining factor of of determining whether a player is, you know, worth it or not.
0: 100%. Uh, And and then moving, moving a little bit back to the, uh, just like about the the Sean Watson trade, you brought up, you know, Fred Warner, Nick Bosa potentially, but if there was some type of deal, and I remember hearing this a while back that what the Texans wanted, they wanted, I think it was three first and two defensive starters or two starting-level players, what kind of guys do you think would like would work in a deal like that for the 49ers?
1: Because I think I think, the, I think there's three guys. I think Greenlaw's one. I think um, – I know people – I mean, I think Kinlaw could be one. Now, that would not probably be questionable. Could you just trade the fourth Buckner to get him? But I think Kinlaw could be one. I wonder if – I mean, like I like Tavares more maybe. Could be another. I'm not sure. I, I've thought about
0: Tavarius more, yeah.
1: Yeah, because he's got some promise. I mean, he's a little, he's a little, he still has some learning to do. You know, he has some busting covers um, at times, but he's talented. So I think that he's another guy that maybe you could, you could put in that deal and maybe it works.
0: Yeah. It depends, I think, like, what they think of him, too. I think that kind of depends on, like, specifically the Texans organization.
1: I think Greenlaw's definitely one. I think Kinlaw would be another one.
2: I think, um, and this might be controversial. I think Debo for sure is a guy that
1: yeah, I can the
2: see 49ers Debo. will look at. I don't know how much interest the Texans would have just you know, scheme-wise. Like A lot of the reason why Debo is so good is because Kyle Shanahan uses him exactly how he's supposed to be used. But I think the, the reality, unfortunately, for the 49ers is they're getting to a point where they're too good, and you just can't keep everybody. So there are going to be – some form of casualties coming up here in the future, whether that is a guy like a McGlinchey or Debo, you know, these guys with expiring contracts pretty soon. I think Debo for sure is one, just because I think receiver is a relatively replaceable position. And that's also part of the reason I think the 49ers are looking into receiver. It's because, okay, if we do, lose a guy like Debo, whether that be via injury this season or maybe trade, whatever, uh, you, you have to have a backup plan. It, you can't just run Kittle and Ayuk out there and expect it to work because all it takes is, hey, we're going to double Ayuk or we're going to double Kittle, and now all of a sudden, all game long, they know exactly who you're going to be throwing to. And that's not a very good you know, strategy from just a game perspective going into every single week where the defense basically can ISO into one guy.
0: I know the big guy that they were that they were rumored to was uh, Juju, but there's also, I think, Rashard Higgins, Will Fuller, Taylor Gabriel, who's kind of would be a different role than what, what Debo would play, obviously more of a slot guy, but they've been linked to a lot of receivers, so that makes sense. I think the other two guys potentially could be Eric Armstead, Though I do think it'd be a little bit odd for the Texans to get him, I do think that's a little bit strange. Not really on their timeline. Maybe, maybe Mike McGunchie as well. But I, I think that's probably it for those guys. I think, I think that's probably those guys. But yeah, like o- overall, just real quick, do you guys do you guys think there's a, a lot of truth to this, to these rumors about Watson?
1: I think so. I mean, what's his name? John McLean. He's one of the Houston reporters. Uh his stance in January was like he has a better chance of being a head coach than Deshaun Watson has to be in traded. And then today he's like, Yeah, I think you know, they haven't said they won't trade him since January. So he's probably gonna get traded. So yeah. and, and he's a reporter in Houston, so I think he's he's I think he's pretty tapped in. So I, I think there's some real I mean, and and now with this whole lawsuit thing going on, it's like they're kind of just like taking shots at him on his way out the door. So it's like like that, that there's no way that works. Like there's no way he goes back and that works. Like it's pretty much done. You have to trade him. And it doesn't make sense for him to hold on to him past the draft because at that point, you don't gain anything to use in this draft to try to, like, because this roster isn't like ready to compete. It has some holes in it. So why not try to trade him now and get some assets in so you can start rebuilding this roster? I don't think it makes sense for him to keep him. So, I, I mean, at this point, yeah, I would assume that the rumors are true.
2: Yeah. And, and just to add on top of that, I mean, I don't think it's a question of if they are true, I think it's okay. Where's he going? Because it's pretty evident. I I think that they don't have a choice. I think they're basically locked into trading him. They can, you know, they can play dead all they want. It's, it's not going to happen. People aren't biting on that. The media, the fans, um, front offices, they're eating their way right through that. You know, they're, they're faking, and they know that the Texans, they honestly hurt themselves because they back themselves into a corner now, and they really lost a lot of leverage. I think the only way that the Texans have a little bit of leverage is in where he goes because, yes, Watson does have a full no-trade clause, and I, I do think that he is prepared to waive it for the right teams, but I think it's gonna come down to the Texans know a team like Carolina will probably mortgage their future away as opposed to a team like San Francisco with a smart front office. And I think that they will try and attempt to trade him to a team like Carolina, and the way they might gain leverage is, okay, well, you know, now that maybe you're refusing a trade out to um, Carolina, the price has suddenly gone down. We don't like the offer from a team like Denver or San Francisco, so we're just going to hold on to you even longer. Maybe you know, threaten him, threaten to retain him. Maybe that's a way they gain leverage. I'm not sure, um, but I do think that he's on his way out for sure.
0: Yeah, I I agree with both you guys. But that's going to do it for today's episode. I want to say thanks again, Kobe, for coming on. This is a great time and it was also great having you back Jake it's been a, it's been a minute so uh, sure, anyone right? anyone listening for the first time like subscribe um if you're listening on podcast rate and review that helps a lot but thanks again for coming on Jake and Kobe and I appreciate it a lot so thanks everyone for listening as well and we'll talk to you guys soon